Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Roulette Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike Spragle. I am the other host, John Lundquist. Yes, it's John with his janky internet, with all of his staticky voice and everything, because he lives in a place where he still has AOL dial-up discs. Hell yes, those things are gold, man. Don't discount that shit. They are not gold. If they were gold, I would have gotten every up issue of Maxim Magazine, taken those discs out of them, melted them down, and, like, you know, had a fortune. Ah, uh, yeah, Maxim. Are they still making Maxim Magazine? We, I was uh, afraid to ask. We were joking about that. I went to a sort of a work function. It was kind of a networking function uh, last week. And for some reason, we were talking about, like, outdated, like, 2000 things, and I think that's where I brought up Maxim Magazine then. Because it was just one of those weird phenomenons, I think, that like the late 90s, early 2000s, like that, the man show, and a whole bunch of other different things where it's like, yeah, being a guy's awesome. Yeah, very much so. They're very much trying to tap into that, you know, we want to sell this basically softcore porn almost to, you know, the Playboy Light essentially is what it was. Like, we want to be able to sell it to teenagers, but we don't want to get too bad so that, you know, we alienate that audience. To be fair since I did have a subscription, their articles actually were pretty good. And I know that sounds like the most like playboy thing in the world possible where it's like, Oh, I get playboy for the articles. No playboys articles were fucking bullshit. The only thing that was ever good about playboys. Like when you like had the uh, like playboy letters, like dear playboy, what happens when you try to get into a three way, but somebody's not into it. Like it's a whole bunch of things that people write in that I guarantee have never happened to those people at all. No, they're just looking to get their name in print. Right. It's like, yes, Steve J from, you know, Arkansas writes in. Yeah, way to go, Steve J. You did it. You got your article published by Playboy. Good job. So uh, we're not going to talk about Max Mar Playboy this episode, though. What we are going to talk about is... the future. (laughs) That's going to be the worst. That's like when we've hit like the complete bottom at that point. At that point, you know, we're like, that's when we've like made it big and we have like Joe Rogan on our show and we've just like totally oh, sold God. out. And <laughs> yeah, uh, basically but going back to what we legitimately were going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, She-Hulk attorney at law from Disney Plus, as well as the majority of the current season of Andor. Um, on top of that, we're going to kind of mix up the format. We're going to have the arbitrary list where our arbitrary lists will be at the end of the episode where we give our up-to-date rankings of all of the Disney plus Marvel and all the Disney plus, uh, star Wars shows. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. But that being said, housekeeping, rate us come on you know you want to you just sat there and think man five stars this is like banter i got to hear about maxim magazine in the first like several minutes of this episode that's five stars alone right there and if you are right now thinking of giving us five stars for that no don't do that that's horrible right there maxim magazine should never get five stars that being said though rate us if you think you like us or you think we're only like giving a two-star performance it's the only way we're going to learn. You got to give us the two-star performance. Otherwise, um, social medias and all that stuff as there too. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. We kind of wasted way too much of the intro talking about Max Magazine. Yeah, that's five minutes we're never getting back. I think I've said the word Maxim at least probably about a dozen times so far. It's almost as if being paid to say Maxim over and over and over again. You would think so. But no, we are not. 
because nobody's even paying Maxim right now to be a thing. So what makes you think they're going to pay us to you know, be a thing? Yeah, that's that's just not going to happen. But hey, before we start getting into the core of our uh, topics and everything, uh, normally we do recommendations and arbitrary lists. We're just going to do recommendations. Let's do recommendations, John. Hooray. Uh, mine is almost kind of themed for, for today's show, or at least half of today's show, I suppose. Um, I just started playing, it's called Marvel Snap. Snap. I played it on yes, okay, that was my recommendation, John. I should have gone first. Oh, damn mm. it. Um, yeah, I think it's been out on computers for a while, I think, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, it just came out on mobile, I believe. Rip-off artist. If, yeah. If you've been kind of hesitant about playing, like, trading card games on different, you know, like Magic the Gathering on your phone or anywhere, really, or Hearthstone or any of those things, this is a lot different than those because in those where basically the more money you spend, the better you're going to do because you get the booster packs and you're going to get the better chance of getting the rares and the cards that you want and all that fun stuff. This one, while you can certainly spend money on it, it's more just to kind of accelerate unlocking things. Basically, everybody unlocks everything at the same rate or at the same... Uh, in the same sequence, you know, like everybody, once you start out, you unlock cards pretty much in the same order. Um, but you, can, you can pay that. to unlock them faster, John. Yes, you can pay to to buy the currency that lets you unlock things faster, lets you upgrade, you know, because basically how you unlock them is you, you upgrade your cards from, you know, rare to ultra rare, whatever, all that fun stuff. Um, and you can pay money to upgrade those cards faster. Um, so technically, yes, you can spend money, but it's a little bit more awkward, not quite as bad as like Magic the Gathering, Hearthstone, and some of those other things. Um, also, a big plus for me is that games don't take like, you know, 20 minutes, half hour or more. You know, it's good like three to five minutes and you're in and you're out and you're done. Um, and basically what it is, it's a bunch of different Marvel characters. Uh, you play them, you've got, you know, you get a one resource per turn, the, car- the cards cost, you know, it's very similar if you played any of these games before you're playing cards and basically the idea is you want to use their power to control uh different locations and all the different locations have different abilities too um and it's i would say one drawback is some of the locations can really just screw with your strategy which can be kind of frustrating but at the same time it can also happen in in the reverse and that some of the locations can really screw with your opponent's strategy and win in your favor so it's it's not often that that happens but it does happen sometimes where like your entire deck you know one of them like your deck goes away and you get 10 random cards. There's another one where you're, you, you and your opponent switch decks. So, um, but it just, I don't know, throws a little curve and there's kind of fun. It's I've been enjoying it and I'll stop talking so that you can say some stuff about it. Yeah. Shut up. God. Yeah. Man. Hey, uh, what collection level are you? Um, I don't know. Let me look. I don't remember. Hmm. I, I, I paid a little bit of money to lose season thing because oh. I figured, and, figured, and figured at least this one time I would pay some money and see how oh. that goes. I don't know that I'm gonna, I don't know that I'm going to do it again though. Listen to you, like you don't have to spend any money, but what do you hey. do? You spent money. You don't have to. I am let me no. see, three thirty three thirty seven. It looks like. All right. Well, I'm three oh one right now. See, you're not too bad. Yeah, but I didn't spend money. That's true. Uh huh. Yeah. See how all that works right there. See, that's just proof right there is that Mike did not spend money and he's doing just as good as I am, basically. I'm doing about sixty less than you. Yes, thirty less. Whatever. Same difference. Yes. Yeah. There, there's basically like two to three different types of decks I play. I play kind of a weenie rush deck where I boost them all up. I play a reveal, which is a reveal deck, which kind of goes all out. And then I play a deck where it's just a sacrificial lamb deck. 
Yeah, I do think also one other drawback is there's no way to play with, like, friends yet, I think. And obviously you wouldn't want to play with friends for anything ranked, but I think it'd be nice to be able to, like, have a friends list and you can just spar with them where you can, like, try out decks and and play with people you actually know because it'd be kind of fun to play with you and other people and, you know, get to try some stuff out that you, you know, so you don't have to lose those valuable points, even though that's not that big of a deal. When you, when you lose matches, I mean, because there's another competitive rank where I'm, I don't know, I'm at, like, 30-something, I think. I forget where I'm at there. Um, but it'd be nice to be able to play against friends and whatnot and have it not matter. That would be a good thing. And maybe that'll be coming, but we'll see. Maybe. 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 Marvel Snap, everybody. Go get yourself some Marvel Snap. Both of us recommend it, and that's not often that happens. Especially not on the same show. No, you stole it. That's it. This whole episode's not just gone south. I'm just going to sit here and pout silently like a piece of crap. Damn it. I mean, you can quick come up with something else on the fly if you want. Uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend flies, as in the flies that are going to buzz around your corpse, John, for stealing my recommendation. Yeah, you could recommend hot chocolate. It's good stuff. Hot chocolate. Uh, yeah. You know what? That's the second thing you've ripped off I've done tonight, by the way. <laughs> mm. Swiss Miss dark chocolate, hot chocolate. God Swiss damn it. That is exactly what I had. <laughs> I have to get it off Amazon now because they don't carry it in stores anymore. What? Yes, they do. I don't know. They've, I haven't seen it in stores in quite a while. You know why? Because you live in the stupid part of Minnesota. No, even up in the cities when I was when I was up there last, they didn't have it either. No, I just bought a box of it like a week ago at the grocery store. Oh, maybe. Or maybe the one you've got is a different one than I get. Who knows? No, it's only one Swiss Miss Dark Chocolate one. Mayhaps. Maybe it's back in style now. I'll bring the box down and I'll show you on the video. Oh, wait, I can't see your video because you're janky internet. Damn it. No, I think that's something with the camera. Man, I'm just going to just start digging you this whole episode, aren't I? going to make me cry. Again? Yeah, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Words hurt, man. Words hurt. Words um, hurt. We'll start off first uh, going to our main topics. We'll talk She-Hulk first, I think, just because uh, since that's actually complete, I think it would be a lot easier to kind of talk about versus when we get into Andor. We still have, you know, episodes left in this, you know, season. I think it's uh, the 24th of November is when the season finale of that comes out. So we'll we'll maybe tabulate that one a little later on. But She-Hulk. So uh, premise, Jennifer Walters. Lawyer gets infected by her brother's blood, becomes She-Hulk, but reluctantly doesn't want to embrace it. Then she decides... I will embrace it. But in meanwhile, she just can't find love in all the wrong places. Her clients are crazy. And in the end, what? Oh, she got a new family member. I'm just spoiling a whole bunch of things. I didn't even give the spoiler warning, did I? Damn you. How dare you? Mm-hmm. I hope you That's finished right. it. I did finish it, yes. This one I did. I am current on Marvel. I am not quite current on Star Wars. So ultimately, you know, several episodes uh, of the series itself. And I would say the one thing I will definitely say about this series that I do like is that it really just does not take itself seriously. I think that is probably one of the more endearing facts of the show itself. Uh, As it goes, you know, there's much like the comics of She-Hulk where uh, from John Byron to like a few others, you know, the Charles Soule. There's a lot of other people that have basically uh, had it where She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall. And she does that in this show, too. But I also like just how the show just makes fun of all the superhero tropes as well, too. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I, I appreciate, like you said, this one definitely does something different. Um, 
which I, I hadn't really read up quite a lot. Like I wasn't expecting it to be a full on comedy, but I kind of appreciate the fact that it's doing something different. It's, it's a lot like the comic books um, in that regard. I mean, there are a lot of people saying, oh, it's a comedy. This is stupid. And she's breaking the fourth wall. But I think, you know, but those are people you can obviously tell never read the comic books. And I never, haven't read a whole lot of She-Hulk comic books, but I definitely know that that's... She's always been kind of more on the irreverent side, at least in her, her solo series stuff. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's been... It was a fun show. It was, you know, something I'm looking forward to getting more. It was kind of nice. You know, we got some lesser-known you know, third string, fourth string, maybe even fifth string characters showing up in there. Um, and Have, yeah, and it was kind of cool to see it just do its own thing. And, 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 and yeah, it was good. I liked it. Have you ever read John Byron's She-Hulk run? I have not. And that would probably be the last one. I think I would read a couple of the more recent ones I've heard are pretty good. Um, and burn just lately is just a weird, crazy freak. So, yeah. I mean, you know. he, he's a piece of shit and let's be very clear here. He was kind of a piece of shit back then when he wrote that comic. Because when the comic came out, it was in the late 80s, early 90s. And it was when comics were hitting kind of that, like, really heavy cheesecake period and everything. And it really, like, the comic itself does take a lot of liberties on breaking the fourth wall and actually being very meta, which is probably one of the most meta things you could probably see, like, first evidence of meta in comics probably prior to the Internet age. That being said, uh, John, man, he, not you, but the writer, he uh, loved drawing like just cheesecake situations or putting She-Hulk in vulnerable situations. As a series goes, it does not really hold up that well because it is definitely a byproduct of its era. Uh, Byron left the series for a period of time because he was kind of feuding with Marvel over stuff and eventually came back and did the series, but... Reading it, I think, does give you a better idea of like a lot of the fourth wall breaking stuff. The later She-Hulk stuff definitely, I feel, de- helps develop her to be a lot, lot more stronger character and gives her more of identity. But a lot of people talk about his run with her in the early 90s as being iconic. I, it was, I think, very unique for the day, but I just don't think that it really ages well when you put it in perspective. Yeah, and like I said, I haven't read a whole lot of them. I mean, if anything, this show has kind of made me want to go back and check out of them, check out some of them. You know, Dan Slott, you know, the ones you mentioned. Um, you know, and if you've got Marvel Unlimited, go check it out, everybody. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to definitely go check some of those out and see what see what they're all about. I I think with the show, you know, there was a lot of like people, you know, cringing on the internet about like, oh, it's a comedy or all this stuff. Yeah, but I think that's just. That's just it. I think some of the Marvel stuff, I, I think you can't get mad about She-Hulk being a comedy when you look at what Guardians of the Galaxy was, when you look at what Thor's movies have become. So for right. that, you know, to be the deal breaker, like, uh-uh, can't have, that right there is just some dumb jocular, you know, douchebaggery right there. It is, and there's plenty of that going on. Um you know, I mean, everything. This thing got its got review bombed, just like you know every other like female led superhero, or it doesn't even need to be superhero. It seems like any anything like female led just gets review bombed by all those trolls that sit at their computer and have nothing better to do than you know do that sort of thing for what reason I don't know. But uh, um, you know, did I did I kind of like too? It had abomination in there. Uh, it was nice seeing him. I mean, we I don't think I was expecting to see him. 
aside from you know, obviously he was in the previews but i think he was kind of a surprise since marvel's kind of ignored like the incredible hulk movie from you know with ed norton in it since it came out you know they haven't really done a whole lot with it uh, i um, like so how they getting... make the joke about like you know or the abominations talking about the hulk looking different or not looking himself there was a reference he made in there about that which you know i thought again it's clever kind of funny yeah. and everything i think also the other thing i like too tim roth has just always been a great actor like nobody knows how to like have a great presence on the screen but i think Normally, like in a lot of his other roles, he tends to get a little over the top. I actually, I like how he, he was a lot more subdued, but still was able to, like, you know, deliver a great performance. Yeah, I thought he did great. I'm really glad the ending with him turned out the way it was because it kind of seemed like he was going to be in on the whole thing. And I was like, oh man, don't don't make Abomination be the one behind this whole, you know, intelligentsia or whatever that group's name was. And and he kind of came in, and you you know, you still kind of think that, but then he turns out he had no idea about the whole thing he was kind of duped just like everybody else was um so i'll be curious to see what if anything they do with him uh we're getting leader also coming up in the new captain america movie so i don't know maybe we'll see abomination somewhere kind of surprised he's not showing up in the thunderbolts movie because that'd be a perfect place to put him especially considering his situation still Um, two years away john still two years away it is yeah plenty of time for that he could be a you know post credit scene there or something who knows we'll see i guess that'll be that'll be there's plenty of time for that to change um but no i mean i thought it was did a great job of addressing issues today i mean i think it was kind of interesting too how those first couple episodes where she's talking about you know like bruce is like you have to control your anger you have to be you know be able to you know do this thing so you don't just hulk out whenever you know whenever something just mildly annoys you and she pulled you know she's like you know, I'm a woman. She's like, I have to control my anger all the time. Every time somebody whistles at me as I'm walking down the street, makes an inappropriate comment, you know, gets, you know, just kind of goes on this whole tirade about how, you know, women basically have to control their anger all the time. And like, you know, who are you to tell me that I need to learn how to control my anger? Like, that's something I've been doing my entire life, basically. And just things like that that I feel like don't really get, you know, spoken about in, you know, modern superhero things at all lately i i think at least the two big themes i think of the show is like double standards and identity like what is your identity what do you stand for given the situation itself you know having like especially some of the clients she had to represent you know there's the moral quandaries of is it right to represent these clients when you know i actually want to do good but then you see also the personal double standards and unfair pressures you know put on her versus when you look about you know what's going on with the other heroes nobody else seems to get the amount of heat that she gets you know for the most part yes indeed And, uh, and then you got daredevil you got daredevil finally in there that, that is true. We 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 have not mentioned Daredevil yet. Somehow, Daredevil um, doing his walk of shame. Yes, it's nice to see Daredevil there. I liked. Uh, from what I've heard, I think this is technically not the same Daredevil from the Netflix series. Um, I mean, obviously it's Charlie Cox, but it's a different character. Like that stuff didn't happen. Essentially, is kind of what what I understand. And obviously, they they could very well retcon that at any moment. But it was nice to see him. You know, he wasn't quite as deadly serious as he was in his Netflix series. He was a little bit, you know, I don't know, it's a little flip, you know, whatever, especially the when they're going to do that, uh, what is that? When they're going to bust the one, who's that guy? Oh, the leapfrog. Yep. When they're going to bust his place, and he's like, oh, we have to be all sneaky and quiet, and she just busts through the ceiling and everything. It was it, it was nice to see the two, them two play off each other, and I hope once we get more She-Hulk, if they do a season two, we get to see more Matt in there. Maybe She-Hulk will show up in the Daredevil show. I don't know. We'll... We'll see what they end up doing, but it was, it was nice to see him. 
Yeah, I think Daredevil, interesting, having him in there. It's good just because I think Charlie Cox is very good at being the Daredevil. And honestly, I wouldn't have a problem if they brought back Foggy or Kate. I think where it gets problematic is, like, you know, how much of the Netflix, you know, heroes do you bring over there? Like, you could bring Jessica Jones over. All right, fine. You could do that. You could bring Luke Cage. Don't bring Iron Fist. Or if you do, retcon the shit out of him because that series is horrible. I, I think that's a hard thing right there is you got a lot of this baggage, and part of it is how many of the people – I think it helps that they've moved finally all of the Netflix shows on the Disney Plus. And that's where a part of me wonders, can you really retcon it all if you already have the ep, you know shows on there? It'd be different if like they got the rights to just Daredevil and Kingpin and everybody else languished. But you can watch the shows on there. So uh, it will be interesting to see how they kind of you know go with this going forward or I guess where this falls in the certain timelines even. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind if they kept those actors. I think if they kept those actual shows, especially now that they kind of, like I said, technically retconned uh, the Daredevil show since they all took place in the same universe, they almost have to do that with everything else. Um, I didn't watch Iron Fist, but, you know, so, I mean, I can't say speak to his performance, but I feel like the rest of the actors did a pretty good job in, in their respective roles, so I don't think I would mind if they brought them over to reprise their roles and just kind of, like, started fresh with a different, you know different stories so that they could reintroduce them into the, you know, MCU proper, the Disney plus universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, it'd be nice to see him. Like, I think especially now that we've gotten Shang-Chi, you know, it'd be nice to see how, you know, how does Iron Fist, you know, fit in that world, you know, Luke Cage and all that whole thing. Like it's, it'd be an interesting thing to see. And I think not having the baggage of the previous shows, I think will be a, a good thing. I think ultimately. Agree. 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 Yeah, I, I think the show is definitely rife with a bunch of inside jokes. Definitely a lot of various little cameos. I mean, come on, man. Great Lakes Avengers, assemble. Yeah, pretty much. We did get Mr. Immortal there. Yep, got him. Who else is it? You got Porcupine. That was always that was always great right there. And Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I think it, overall it was a decent show. I think maybe the best way to put it is I feel that the show itself was probably a good palate cleanser, I think. I think the nice thing is is that it doesn't have to try to advance a ton of plot or anything. Granted, I, I almost feel like at least the ending of the series, the whole Planet Hulk thing, that kind of felt tacked on, I guess. But Yeah, how Scar just kind of shows up there, and that seemed kind of odd. Like, I mean, I suppose maybe if they tell give us that backstory you know, somewhere else we get to see that story, you know, maybe, but if they just kind of move forward with, Hey, he's a thing now, it'll be kind of an odd choice to make to introduce him that way. Right. So kind of weird in that sense, but I mean, I, I think overall a fairly good, you know, good effort itself. I feel the show did what it needed to do. And as I said, I, I just like how it doesn't care. Like, especially just even making fun in like that last episode about, you know, you know, bringing the X-Men and, Again, yeah, it's like, hey, we all want this. Come on, bring it out in there. Yeah, it, it, it was nice. It was nice to see something that didn't take itself so seriously and, you know, could just have fun with itself. All right, well, John, before we move on to Andor, do you have ranks for all the Marvel series? Now, and I have eight in total at this point, and I'm counting amongst them. 
I have nine on mine. Did you count Werewolf by Night? You know what? I didn't actually. Mm, I, that's because I put that I, in there, which which we could technically do a mini review for that now too. But it's good. Um, Watch it. It's yes, it's good. Watch Werewolf by Night. There we go. There was our mini review. Mm, where would I slot that in? All right. Well, do you have yours ranked yet, or? I do. I've been kind of hastily scribbling here because I forgot to rank them all. Yep. But you've got them. Uh, are we starting at the bottom or the top? Or uh, let's start at the, the bottom. Most? So number nine. What's your uh, most uh, least favorite? I have number nine, and I shouldn't say like least favorite because I've liked everything they've put out. There hasn't been anything, and same for the Star Wars stuff too. There hasn't been anything that I've like just disliked. But I think the one that I'll go back to the least is probably going to be What If. Yep, that's mine. Um, I mean, it was fine. It was great. There were some episodes. That, there were one or two episodes, I suppose. Like, I didn't care for the Thor partying episode. That one didn't really do anything for me. And there were one or two others that weren't great. But by and large, it was well done. The ones that were good were really good, I thought. Um, and we're getting a season two of that sometime soon here. Um, and I'm definitely going to watch that. But, yeah, I mean, it was fine. But it just wasn't anything, you know, spectacular, I didn't think. All right. We both agree on the bottom. What's uh, What's number eight? Number eight, I have Falcon and Winter Soldier. Ooh, we're two for two. Nice. Uh Um, Yeah, and again, not that I didn't like that one. It just, I don't know, I think overall didn't necessarily do what I wanted, you know, I wanted to, which I don't know what that would have been. But I just, and I feel like also it kind of got hurt because from what I understand, that got hurt a lot by COVID because they had to switch a lot of the scene. Like, I think originally... Something that was supposed to happen was being a big, big pandemic was supposed to happen. And then when that actually happened in real life, they're like, yeah, maybe we don't want that to hit so close to home. So they had to change a lot of stuff so that that might be part to fault. But I think what could have been a really cool, awesome action show just kind of ended up being like, you know, okay. Well, I, I would say the problem, I, I think it was fine. I think... It felt a little bit muddled and everything. I don't know. I, yeah. There were some of the subplots in there and other things. I felt that it could have been a tighter series. It was still good, but yeah, I, I kind of like if there's one I was, it falls in that same range as what if, where I probably don't feel compelled to rewatch it. Yeah, I would probably watch individual episodes of what if before I would watch individual episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier. All right. Uh, what do you got for then number seven? Number seven, I did the just mentioned Werewolf by Night, and not because it was you know necessarily that bad, but just it was great. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I hope we get to see more of the characters that we see there. You know, it'd be kind of cool to get like a Midnight Sun series spinning out of this with the three characters that are left at the end that kind of start hanging out and maybe introduce a few more to that group. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's just number seven because that's just kind of where it falls because there's a lot of good stuff here and you know yeah that's where it is i think that's where we break ranks john uh i have my number seven is moon knight again not bad i feel like it feels so out of place with the rest of the mcu and there was just i think there was a lot of things that just kind of the way the narrative in there doesn't spoon feed you which is fine. I just think it also doesn't make it as accessible at times, too, which, you know, sometimes can be a turnoff for me in the series. So I had Moon Knight as my number seven. Interesting. All right. Uh, so then what do you got next? Next, I have She-Hulk at number six. Hmm. Which I won't say too much ago because we just talked about it. But, yeah, it's right there. All right. Uh, I will put then Miss Marvel as my number six. Think again, lighthearted fun and everything, but 
again, not that weighty, I guess, in some of the stuff that you know I watched on it. So I think that's where I have that right now is number six. I just realized I screwed something. There we go. John disappeared. He's he's dead. Now. Dead. I'm dead to the world on my back now. Yeah. Hello. Okay. Yep. Um. Did you get my number five? Uh. No. Ah. Number five. I've got as Miss Marvel. Hey, that's what I just said. Yes. I thought you had that at number. Six. Oh, you're right. I have that at six. All right. Sorry. Yes. Yep. See, this is where I got yep. confused there because you decided to disappear. Damn me. Yes. Miss Marvel's number five. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and like I think I mentioned before, it actually kind of got me interested in Pakistani history and stuff like that. I actually learned stuff from that show, which isn't something you can say a lot of times from from superhero shows. And I thought even though it was obviously not aimed at 46-year-old white guys, um, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And Looking forward to seeing where we could see her more. All right. Uh, that's where I'm going to put Werewolf uh, by Night on there. I kind of like that, at least in the middle of the pack and everything. It was only one episode. I kind of like just the whole goofy nature of the whole thing as well as, like, the motivations. And honestly, you kind of almost need, like, this as, like, an Indiana Jones-style show of just weird adventures and worlds and stuff. So that was my uh, next one. Yeah, I'm hoping hopefully we get like a new one of those each year if we don't get like if we don't get a full blown like season or movie or so, which I don't think we're gonna get a movie of it, but if we don't get like a full blown season, like if we get like a nice new special every year, like I'll take that, even though I would want more. Um my number four, that's where I've got Moon Knight at. Um uh, for pretty much reason I like that it was something totally different. It kind of like you said, doesn't spoon feed you. You have to kind of figure stuff out at your on your own. I really like Oscar Isaacs. I thought he did a great job, especially with the uh the different roles, you know, the nice twist it kind of throws you at the end, which I should have seen coming because the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, they're missing one of his personalities. You know, I was like, well, whatever, maybe they just decided not to put it in there. And then lo and behold, there he was right at the end of it. Um, so it was pretty cool. I liked it. Um, there's talks that we're going to get a season two of that pretty soon. Oscar Isaacs has been kind of teasing things here and there that they're working on it, but not really committed to anything yet. So, um, so we'll see. Yeah. Moon Knight. There we go. Number four. What's your number four? My number four, WandaVision. I think it was the first that kicked off all of Disney Plus, and I think it's still strong. I think it seems more. I think more the times come on and everything. I think the pacing of it definitely has some issues. I think the message is good. I think some of the reveals to some of the mysteries at the end. I, I feel there was just a lot of things that it didn't really pay off on as you got along the way, and you. That's why you almost had to have, of course, then the. Doctor Strange movie to give the payoff to it. Yeah, and that's WandaVision. I've got it my number three, which is my next one. Um, I like that it, you you had no idea what the heck was going on. It gave you kind of enough teases as you were going, like, you know, like to kind of figure, you know, like you could look at it and be like, okay, I think this is happening, or maybe this, and but you know, not, at the same time, not quite enough. And it and just the fact that each episode was a different decade of tv and how they kind of did the opening credits for that was you know really creative and nice to see um but yeah like i kind of like you said there was some stuff left unsaid and and that need to be finished off which you know in this age of how that's they're doing the storytelling i don't necessarily think that's a horrible thing but it is something that you know you do kind of need to get that ending payoff in dr strange mm -hmm. so what do you got for number three uh, my number three is She-Hulk. I uh, Again, I feel it was probably perfect for what it needed to be. And 
I think, as I said, that the amount of humor in there definitely far exceeds everything else that all their other Disney Plus fare offered. Indeed. That leaves us at number two, which is where I've got Hawkeye. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. I've always liked Hawkeye. He's always been one of my favorite characters just because it was one of the first comics I read, so it was nice to see him get his own show, even though he definitely had to share the spotlight with the uh, the other Hawkeye, whose name I forget what her, Kate, Kate Bishop. Um and I thought she did great, you know, with this whole kind of wanting to be a superhero thing, but he was kind of reluctant to take on a sidekick. But eventually, obviously, as you knew, they were going to they were gonna work together. It was, just, it was just fun. It was nice to see. You know, that's where, obviously, we got the Kingpin to come on, which was a nice surprise. Um, and we get Echo, which she's going to get her own spinoff series, too. So um, it was just cool. It was just really well done, I thought. Mine... I'm at a level with you because obviously our top two are both Loki and Hawkeye. And I was going back and forth between which the two that I liked. And I think ultimately I went with Hawkeye with my number one with Loki number two. And I think the only reason why is I think the interactions between Bishop and Hawkeye were just great. They're I think it's I think there was like the you know period of time where the connection between your you know co-stars and that's what I feel they were co-stars was just great. I kind of like just a lot of the overall feelings and vibes introducing like Kingpin and having all this other stuff going on there. So I, I had actually Hawkeye as my number one. Yeah, and I don't think you're wrong. I mean Hawkeye is great. I mean to be honest, like my top three, probably four, are fairly interchangeable. They're all pretty neck and neck. I mean most of this list is fairly neck and neck. Um, and I've obviously got Loki at number one, and you've got it at two. Loki was just, it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, nice to see the time travel thing, the whole, you know, whatever it was, TVA, um, and all the ramifications. Obviously, that's kind of what kicks off this new phase, because that's where we get to see Kang or whatever his name is in there. What is it, like the one left behind or something like that, or one behind it all? I can't remember what is, whatever his name was in there. Um, and just that whole bit with the, you know, with Loki and... What's her name? Sylvie? Yes. I think, yeah, Sylvie and him. Kind of in that episode where they're kind of just going back and forth about different stuff. The banter there was really great. Um, and, of course, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Just as he was great in the movies, he's great in this, too. So it was just a lot of fun. That was kind of one that week to week I was really looking forward to picking up and checking out. So, uh, so yeah, Loki. All right. Going down to our secondary topic, we're going to talk uh, you know, a little quickly about Andor and then give some rankings there. Andar is about Cassie and Andar, who is one of the characters from the Rogue One movie series. Um, spoiler, he died in that, but this is kind of... Oh, damn it. I know, you haven't seen it yet, but um, I think this series right here, one thing that I think gets a lot of, I think, focus on in the Star Wars universe is the what happened before the fall of the Empire. And I think Rebels was definitely one aspect of it right there with Rebels, you know, and how, you know, all of that kind of came into play. And I think, you know, Obi-Wan is showing some of, you know, those touches on there as well, too. So now you go to Andor and everything. And Andor does, I think, an amazing job of being Star Wars without being Star Wars. And by that, I mean that I feel that it instead of it really focuses heavily on i think a lot of the political or the sociological factors that happen in the star wars universe and i think they've done a good job of it 
there are some issues I have with the series, but I mean, that being said, uh, I think overall it's good. It's about how a thief essentially takes on a job, gets a little too hot for the situation, and then, you know, this is while all trying to avoid, you know, after committing some murders and self-defense, and then essentially getting embroiled in just an entire political amount of retreat. But then the subplots as well is also about Mon Mothma and her, you know, building or becoming a pivotal member of the rebellion as well. Yeah, no, it's been, I mean, definitely underrated grade. I mean, you don't hear people talking a lot about it, but the people that I do see talking about it can't stop saying how much they like it. Um, and it's almost, you could almost take the Star Wars out of this. Like, you could just make this a regular, just dystopian science fiction world somewhere. And I think it would be just as great. Like, there's not a whole lot here that you need, you know, the Star Wars branding for. I mean, yeah, you've got the Empire there. You've got the Stardings of the Rebellion. But this doesn't necessarily need to be here. I and mean, I think it's great that it is a Star Wars thing. Um, it's nice to see. I think, you know, having it, it's and it's a slow burn. I think that's what I've been telling the people that haven't watched it yet. I'm like, it's a slow burn. I'm like, you get two episodes that kind of build to a climactic third episode. You know, and there's a lot of good stuff in those two episodes, but you don't get maybe as much payoff. And the payoff comes in that third episode where stuff happens and you get the, you know, you get your action scene. Like, I think episodes three and six were amazing. Episode nine wasn't, didn't quite have as much of a big payoff as those two did, but it was still a good episode. And a lot, there was definitely some big developments there. Um, but it's just, it's just been, I don't know, it's been intriguing. It's been more, I think, mature too, like, which is something you don't really see a whole lot from Star Wars because Star Wars has always kind of been, you know, it's family friendly. It's for kids. You can sit down with this with your kids and watch it, which is great. But I think it's nice to see that we can get some Star Wars that isn't just you know, shoot them up action, you know, like I think Mandalorian's great. I mean, and when we do our rankings later, you know, but I think Mandalorian is more like you're comparing them to like say video games. Mandalorian's almost more like a beat em up action, you know, platformer type game where you're just running through. It's all action. Whereas Andor is almost more like an involved role-playing game type thing where you have to put a little bit more into it. It's more, you know, demands your attention a little bit more, I think. And I think it's, it's fine to have both of these things in Star Wars. I think it's great to have both these things in Star Wars. Sometimes you do want that just quick, fun, you know, exciting show, but sometimes you want something that's going to make you think a little bit more too. I I think Andor's biggest problem is its pacing. I think I understand why it has to do a lot of the world building that it has to do to kind of establish how all of these players will come together at one point or another. But that being said, I feel like there's times too where it's like, there's world building, and I think there's also one of those things that you also, I wouldn't say you're testing or challenging, and I'm not sure that what the best word is, but it's one of those things if you're somebody watching the show and you've already been conditioned to other Star Wars programs, to try to sit there and say, hey, for you more casual Star Wars fans, watch all of this right here and see what you think. And I think I can see why it can turn some people off. And there's times where I sat there and thought, like, all right, I kind of get it. You know, I understand what they're doing here. But it's kind of also, like, you know, tidy it up. Or, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, like the, the whole prison thing right now is an example. Going on about two episodes of that. I get it, but I also am trying to see where the payoff in this all comes into play as well, too. You know, so I, I think that's just it. It's a good series. I feel it 
does a good job, I think, of, you know, just kind of showing what the rest of the, you know, the arrogance of the empire, the building of everything else. I just feel that there are definitely times where, you know, some of the stuff could have been either, I don't know, paced or flowed better. I just don't know the best way to explain it. No, I definitely, and I think that is, it's probably its number one drawback can be the pacing. I mean, like, I appreciate the fact that it's kind of taking its time a little bit more instead of just throwing everything at you all at once. It's, it, it's, it's going at a pace that I feel like makes sense for what would actually be happening. Um, but I do agree, like these last couple episodes in the prison, like if they had, you know, I think next episode they should break, you know, like it, and it seems like we're going to be, but next episode should be the prison breakout. And then, you know, he gets out of there and then moves on to whatever's next. Um, but, you know, it definitely is slower. And it definitely is going to be more of a turnoff to people who aren't, you know, preconditioned to, you know, sit it out because it, because it is Star Wars. Um and maybe that's different. Maybe because it's Star Wars and it is slower paced, people are giving it more of a chance. Whereas if this was just some unbranded generic science fiction, it maybe would have gotten tanked right away and people would go, ah, it's not worth it. Whereas people, I think, knowing it's Star Wars are kind of waiting, you know, willing to sit around and see what's see what the payoff is. And I think it's also kind of interesting that like with the exception of this last episode where there's kind of tenuous, but I think the Mon Mothma stuff, while it's great to see she's doing a great job acting, like it doesn't seem like it has a whole lot to do with what Andor is doing. Like there's a couple characters that cross over. You've got the one, you know, the connection guy, the guy who's running the antique shop. And then finally, uh, Mon Mothma's cousin showed up and she's the one who, who was leading Andor's little thing that he got thrown into for the, the, the heist at the Imperial base. But other than that, I mean, the connections aren't really a whole lot. So it's hard to see what one has to do with the other. And maybe at some point they'll kind of meet and, you know, at the end of the season, I don't know, but it's, it's almost like we're getting two shows kind of sandwiched into one, which, you know, probably doesn't help the pacing bit that you were talking about at all either. Yeah, I, I think that'll that'll always be just a trick right there is just, you know, understanding how this all is going to kind of come together at that point. And, yeah, I don't know. I As I said, I think it's good. I think it's different. I think that's what you kind of need because – Otherwise, then everything else kind of just all starts blurring together then. And then that's kind of the problem there. Yes, yes, indeed. Definitely, definitely good stuff. Not perfect by any means, but it's been, it's been nice to see. Yep. So, uh, let's, uh, let's rank these up then. So I have a total of seven shows here. I have eight once again, although I don't. I wasn't sure. Are we counting Clone Wars that last season, or are we going to count that as just Clone Wars with the rest of it? I'm counting Clone Wars as a continuation with the rest of it. So okay, so keep Clone Wars out. Yes, copy that. All right, all right. Then I have yes seven. All right, good. Hey, her math is good. I, so I, what? I so assume we're not doing any of the Lego specials. No, no. no. <laughs> all right. So what's your number seven? My number seven, which is number eight on this list, just because I haven't watched it yet, is Tales of the Jedi. I've heard it's really good, but I just, it came out like, what, two weeks ago, and I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it at all. That's probably what I'll be watching this week, actually. That's more of a you so, problem, it sounds like. It, it It is, and I own that. It is definitely a me problem. Mm-hmm. So that, that could possibly go higher on the list, but yeah, we'll see. My number seven is Visions. Yeah, Duh. you didn't really like Visions. No, I really didn't. I, I get what it was trying to do with the different styles and everything, but it 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 also felt like the most glorified fan fiction in the world to me. Which I mean, to be fair, ultimately it was right. 
It it was. It's just that not everything on there clicked with me, and I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, like, I don't I, like I'll that. talk about it when it, when I get to it on my list. But uh, right. But yeah, that's it's valid. That's that is a valid point of view, sir. All right, number six. Um, for me, it is Bad Batch, um, which was fun. It was cool. I liked it, but just didn't didn't wow me a whole lot. Um, I originally had Clone Wars just one slot above that one, but uh, last me. I'm you gonna know, I'm gonna tell you bad, straight out if that guy included Clone Wars on here, it'd be almost near the top. Clone Wars is damn good. Um, I feel like those Coruscant episodes are kind of just meh, you know. And same with the the, the episodes on introducing Bad Batch. I mean, look, if you're talking just the the pre or not even the pre the, the the Revenge of the Sith stuff that got you know kind of intertwined with that, that stuff was friggin' amazing, but. Um, but anyway, yeah, Bad Batch just, I mean, it was fine. It was great. I'm looking forward to season two. It just wasn't the best in my opinion. All right. No, I had Bad Batch at six two. Same thing. You know, it was there, but again, I don't know what the end game was in that whole thing. So, nah. yeah. Um, next up, I'm skipping number six. I'm going to number my Five. next one is Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Looks like Clone Wars at six. I've got Boba Fett there. It was fun. Um, it just felt a little disjointed. I mean, you had those episodes of Mandalorian in the middle that were great, but Boba Fett wasn't in them, you know? It was like Mandalorian season 2.5, which I think we talked about when we talked about that season. Um, I felt he Boba was Fett's... the most boring part of the show. Yeah. Um, and if we get another season, hopefully that improves. But, yeah, I mean, the Boba Fett stuff was okay. I don't, I don't feel like it really... Showed me why he's such a badass bounty hunter that everybody should like. It showed me that, you know, he's looking at retirement and maybe he doesn't want a bounty hunt anymore, which is fine. But looks like he was getting his ass kicked a lot and he needed the Power Rangers to save him. Yeah, basically. I mean, it was was okay. There's a few episodes in there I'd probably rewatch, but it was just kind of, you know, well, obviously the Mandalorian ones, maybe a couple of the others. It had Tusken Raider goodness in there and Tusken Raiders are my boys, but, you know. No, I I had that at five too. I think. It really wasn't enough to make it his own series, to say the least. And, you know, from there, I, I don't know. It, it had a lot of, I think, amazing plot developments that advanced so many other things in the Star Wars universe. But there, not so much. Yeah. Uh, number four for you. Next up, this is where I've got visions. Um, unlike you, I really enjoyed <laughs> it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I appreciate kind of the different takes, even the more kind of just crazy insane one like the one with the twins where they're just doing this crazy battle outside i i thought it was fun it was kind of nice to not have to take it so seriously and now know that this stuff isn't like you know where is this going to fit in the canon of star wars it was kind of nice to just watch stuff that was set in the star wars universe inspired by star wars but i don't need to worry about is this in the prequels what star city is doing now like it was kind of cool to see just different takes and you'd get different genres kind of injected into star wars and yeah not all of them were great like i didn't really care for the one with the concert singing people but like there was a lot of stuff there to like and a lot of stuff that I'd like to see expanded on. Some of it they have expanded on. They did a full-blown novel that follows up the, what is that one called, The Duel? And there's also a comic book that just came out that's kind of a slight prequel to that, although it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the episode itself. So um, I really enjoyed Visions, and they're doing more of it. I think they're not all going to be like Asian manga things. I think I had heard they were going to do some like European animation studios and stuff like that, so we'll hopefully get some, some more fun and different stuff there as well. I'm going to put my number four and say it's Tales of the Jedi, which is far better than Visions, John. Far, far It might better. be. Honestly, might be. I feel that Tales of the Jedi 
did more with Darth, you know, Count Dooku than any other thing they've had at this point. And honestly, when you basically, it's almost like an origin of Count Dooku. And there's also Ahsoka in there, but we don't need more Ahsoka. The whole Count Dooku stuff was just fascinating just because it gives you his perspective. And, and ultimately, it kind of makes you sit there and think, he might not have been wrong. He might not have been wrong. I mean, looking at the way the Jedi turned out, he might not have been. I mean, I haven't seen these, obviously, to, you know, know what he's thinking. I mean, you, I kind of know what he was thinking, just he was disillusioned with the Jedi and whatnot. But, you know, the Jedi were kind of jerks right around there. They were kind of full of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, their own, it's their own fault that they fell. But, uh, yeah, I'll probably watch that this week. And, like I said, I've heard nothing but good things about it. So I'm sure I'll like it. But, you know, here we are. Number three. Um, I think I know number what number three, three is. I've got Obi-Wan there, and I don't know, if, did Ooh. we ever actually talk about Obi-Wan on, the sh- on this? Yes, we did. Um, I liked it. It wasn't, obviously not my favorite. It was really good. It wasn't quite what I was expecting, but I think that's almost a point in its favor. I think, you know, having it be Obi-Wan going off on this rescue thing for Leia, and we get to see these other characters he interacts with, it was not what I was expecting, but kind of in a good way, I think. It was... You know, fun to watch that last battle with Vader before, you know, that we got to see on that whatever that unknown planet or moon or whatever the heck it was, was pretty awesome. You know, he gets his helmet cut open and everything. It was just a lot of neat stuff. You know, that end scene with with him and Leia, if you know, you had a dry eye there, then I don't know where the heck your soul is. But uh, but it was just good stuff. Not my favorite, but but darn good. Uh, I had Andor there. I think Andor is probably better slotted there than Obi-Wan, in my opinion. Yeah, possibly. My two and three are fairly interchangeable, which is two is where I've got Andor at the time being, which, I mean, we'll see how that lands, I suppose, with these final three episodes. But uh, I think the difference yeah. is is that it's it's easier to connect with, like, Obi-Wan as a character. I think Ewan McGregor does Amazing Justice. I think trying to establish Leia and some of her early origins, just some of the other Empire stuff, but even just... The amount of expanding they did with also Anakin as well. Again, it's something that does, I think, a better justice than the movies ever did in trying trying to show where Anakin's emotions and feelings are at. So uh, I had uh, Obi-Wan at number two, John, versus Andor, which I think easily gives away what my number one is. Yeah, for both of us. It's, <clears throat> it's Mandalorian. It's just, it was a hell of a lot of fun. It's... You know, it was the first thing that I think has come out since Disney took over. And, you know, I'm not a Disney basher by any means because, you know, it's not like Disney is sitting there telling Lucasfilm what to do. Lucasfilm's doing its own thing. It's not Disney's fault. Shut up, all you haters. Um, But it was just, you really got that Favreau and Filoni are like, just love Star Wars. And that this show is almost them playing with their toys and like, let's put all this stuff together and let's just let, you know, just have fun. It's just, it's fun Star Wars, which is what Star Wars should ultimately be it can obviously be these other things like we're talking about with Andor. it can be serious it can be thought-provoking but it can also be fun and still be all these things too because obviously you know mandalorian is trying to find out who he is and where his place is in the universe and we're kind of along for the ride and he's got his little sidekick grogu and it's just it's yeah it's it's just a lot of fun and you get to see all these other parts of the star wars universe come into his you know into his world and see stuff kind of through his lens but it's been it's been great. I'm looking forward to season three, which I think we get early next year, I want to say. 2 22, like 22, or 23, sorry. 23. 2 22, 23. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that covers up the episode. 
talked about our things, did a bunch of rankings. You're sick of us now, aren't you, everyone? Probably. Well, I mean, I know I am. I know. I have, I'm sick of myself. I live with myself all the time. Damn, poor bastard. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I'm Mike Spragle. And I am John Lundquist. We will uh, tune in, have you guys tune in next time. Thank you. Yes, everybody. Have a good one.